I'm so excited to get this episode out. The Float Research Collective, it's live, it's a real entity, it's a nonprofit. Dr. Feinstein has done a massive amount of work to make this thing happen, and I hope you enjoy, listen, learn more about it, come up with some questions, and we'll see you hopefully Wednesday the 21st for a live Q&A hosted by Art of the Float uh, with Dr. Feinstein. If you have any questions after this, uh, please join us, talk to us. And there's also, um, oh, that's uh, Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And there's also an FTA hosted one. If you're not able to make it that early or on that day, then join us on the 29th at 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Pacific. And that one's hosted by the FTA. Dr. Feinstein will be there as well, not only to to figure out questions, but also to see how you can be a part of it. Obviously, we'll be talking today about how every float center owner can be a part of it. But there also we need uh, volunteers and people to, to join up and and help build this research program as well. It's really exciting. Gosh, before we get to it, big shout out to Helmbot. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast and making episodes like this happen. Uh, we couldn't be here without you. So really, truly, thank you, thank you. Helmbot is a, an incredible piece of software designed from the ground up for Float Center owners. And uh, if, if you're not already aware of Helmbot, uh, you need to check it out. Go to helmbot.com, see how they can be your scheduling software. Tracking your metrics is a great way. Gosh, we had a hydrogen peroxide issue at the shop. And it was so great to be able to go in and identify where the problems were happening. And the uh, uh, employees that were, um, I guess, uh, miseducated on how to handle hydrogen peroxide. And then we we're able to nip that and get things right back on track. So really good stuff. Um, also, they could do scheduling for your employees uh, as addi- in addition to your clients. And then also just like workshops, classes, LMTs, all that stuff. Helmbot can do it. Great reporting as well. And the ridiculous customer service they have is honestly the best I've ever experienced. I can, I can truly say that. Their customer service is, it's just bananas. <laughs> it's bananas great. So go to Helmbot.com. Don't take my word for it. Take a tour with them. Have them walk you through it. You can even do a demo if you want and and uh, go through it yourself and make sure it's a good fit. It's really absolutely risk-free. Helmbot.com, again, is where you want to go. I'm also so, so, so excited to announce that the Float Tank Association is now advertising on Art of the Flow podcast. I This is a dream come true for me. Uh, the FTA has grown incredibly over the last few years, both in um, uh, board members that are working on it um, and also in the organization that they have and the reach that they are taking part in now, whether they're helping with marketing, education, um, memberships, uh, education on water sanitization, float tank manufacturers. I mean, they're really taking it all and giving it back to the community. There are a lot of free resources. There are also live roundtable discussions. So you can talk live with the community about things like memberships that happened recently. And uh, also uh, experts in like sanitation, like Roy Vore, who I believe is also on the board of the FTA, uh, will be on there. And you can just dialogue with industry experts about what's going on. Also, in this episode, we talk about how Justin Feinstein will be talking about uh, the FRC, uh, the Float Research Collective as well. These are just amazing opportunities. (laughs) Flotation.org. Go there, check out all the free resources that they have. Uh, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. Um, Just like the uh, um, associations for massage or for acupuncture, there needs to be um, people contributing to this organization for that organization to help 
the industry and to help it grow, solidify. Uh, it means when lawmakers uh, want to make a law or make any rules for a float center, um, they have somebody to go to. That's the, that's the industry standard that can talk for you. You don't have to know every single detail about starting your float center. The FTA can help you. So, oh my gosh, if you are just starting a float center, if you are running a float center, I implore you to go to flotation.org, check out everything they have to offer again for free. And I highly encourage you to sign up and um, be a part of the FTA. They, they deliver so much back to the community. I, I swear it's tenfold. So, so excited to join the FTA, guys. Thanks for, thanks for supporting the show. Um, really excited about this. Again, flotation.org is where you want to go. Gosh, so excited about that. And uh, let me just bridge off of that to this really exciting episode. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife, Sandra. And... Um, to be honest, I don't have a fundraising team for the FRC yet. I was, I will say I was part of the beta. So um, I created that and then I didn't realize that didn't transfer over. So I'll have to create one. Um, but I think my goal was for, was it just for $1,000 or 10000 I don't know. What did you guys do? <laughs> Hey, everybody. It's Kim Hannon. I co-own Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave in southern Indiana with my husband. Um, I set up my goal. I started with 5000 And then after I spoke to Dr. Feinstein at the conference, that changed it to 10000 And I have a feeling that that number is probably going to change again. <laughs> nice. Well, my name is Gloria Morris, and I own Float 60 in Chicago. And I'm feeling like a slacker because I think I signed up for 1000 So now I'm going to have to change it, obviously, with peer pressure. But uh, no, very excited and uh, yeah, looking forward to getting it set up. This is Drew from New Hampshire Float and uh, not to be outdone with Gloria's thousand dollars, I have zero dollars and I'm not even sure what's going on after my little (laughs) hiatus here from, uh, I've been a little bit out of the loop for the last few weeks. Uh, So I have no clue what you guys are really talking about, to be honest. And I am actually excited because today we have someone who will explain it, not only to me, but to anyone else who may not understand these numbers and sums that keep going up and what the purpose of them are for. Thank you, Drew. Yeah, that's a great segue. Thank you, Dr. Feinstein, for joining us tonight. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Good. Welcome, I feel like welcome. I'm finally recovered for the, from the float conference. <laughs> you know, you guys may have recovered. Yesterday, I had the most unbelievable fish tacos with James and Amy Harder. Oh! What? So jealous. What? I, I, kid, I kid you not. We, they, they, they called me up. They said, we just landed in Maui. What you up to? I said, come on over. <laughs> we had a great lunch. We went, we went floating at the most incredible beach. It was like raining everywhere except this one Whoa. beach, and and James and I were out at the sea, and then suddenly my two kids joined us, and there was these giant waves. I, they came out of nowhere. James couldn't believe. It. He's like, "You let your kids do that?" I said, "Normally not." <laughs> these kids were like little fish, but anyways, we're out there floating in the sea in Maui, and and just reflecting on how amazing the conference was. Dude, so they had a well-earned vacation after. Oh, they're in Hawaii for a couple weeks, I think. 
Oh, nice. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear they, that. They, they have a wedding out here. They, they, yeah, they're making oh, a, a nice sort of post-float vacation out of nice. it. Nice. <laughs> you know, we, our last episode was about the float conference specifically, and we acknowledged how much work those guys put into making that conference just be fire. Awesome. So I'm so glad they're able to. It, w- it was one of my all-time favorites. Right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. There was something special. The COVID wasn't special. That's uh, dare I break. <laughs> COVID was pretty special. I'd say it was As very I special. As I mentioned on the last podcast, if there was any time or fashion to get COVID, that's the way it's done. That was the best way to get it, and it was worth every hour I spent in bed post float on. <laughs> Agreed. It's actually even my- kind of nice to have an excuse to recover because I didn't have a trip to Hawaii planned. And so it, I was planning on just coming back. I, I spent a couple of extra days in Portland and then had, you know, thought that I would just jump right back into work, but the universe had other plans and it was kind of nice actually just to <laughs> take it easy for a little bit and like marinate in that like float con glow for a little bit longer. <laughs> well, You've for, been for feeling next better year, for- Kim, you, you got to come out then because you will be hosting yes. the conference in Louisville. <laughs> Yes. And I, I feel like a vacation will be definitely due at that point. Nice. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the new rule is local liaisons must travel to Hawaii afterwards. So. And or at least, friends, or at least scout too. out where, you know, 2024 might be. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Get some work elbow, to do. Elbow, elbow right in the rib. <laughs> <laughs> He's relentless. Um, <laughs> I want to keep talking about the flow conference, but we should move on to other things. And, but before we even start talking about talking to Justin specifically, I just want to welcome Drew back. I'm not even sure how long you've been away from the podcast, it, but but just because we had a hiatus during the, the float conference time and the last episode recording, I feel like it's been forever since I've seen your face, man. It's good to see you. Welcome back. Yay. It does feel like that, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's only been one episode, but it's been so an weird. eternity in real life. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, there's been obviously a lot going on, which we'll we'll talk about in another episode coming up. But um, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to see everybody. And what a return to come back with Justin as a guest. And I'm really excited to learn about what I missed out on at the float conference. <laughs> but I know is a big part of the future of our industry, of which I am still currently a part of. So I do care about what's going on with the future of our industry. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to be back and excited to have Justin on tonight. Awesome. Thanks, Drew. Dr. Feinstein, um, you announced the FRC at the float conference this year. How was that for you? You know, it, it felt like a long time coming. Um, <laughs> D- D- Dylan, especially you out of everybody, has known about the incarnation of the idea of the the FRC or the Float Research Collective since its inception. I mean, I think there's an Art of the Float podcast somewhere, maybe you'll have to find it, where I'm sitting there at like the 2018 conference, or maybe it's the 2017 conference, just talking about this idea that we need some sort of infrastructure Mm -hmm. to get research really moving in this industry. And you have a whole recording of it. I think you even have my slides up on it. And oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Woof. Yeah, that's you, right. You came, like, I, I think, with it. all your audio material to one of those Friday meetings before the conference started. I remember that. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you I, know, I to me, to this as well, this, if anybody this, wants to go back in time. But this is kind of, you know, a long time coming for, for, 
for me, for the float industry, I think we've we've needed something like this for a long time. Um, well, I never I never had the time to put this together when I was working at Laureate. You know, this I, I've been I've been devoting just to give you guys a sense full time. You know, forty to fifty hours a week just on the FRC this past year. And and you know, of course, we haven't raised any money, so. I've been doing all of this for free, but I want to do it because this this has been a dream of mine for so long. It's it's the sort of thing that, you know, it's going to take a few years to gain full momentum, for sure. I have no delusions about that. But its goals and its dreams are so big, I honestly feel that within the next decade, we could fundamentally change the ecosystem by which health providers are providing care using float therapy. Mm-hmm. I really feel like float therapy could become a preventative tool for so many conditions. And if this was just reimbursed at a, a, a pretty much a completely subsidized rate, so people could just float for free. I mean, imagine, let's just dream big. Imagine, you know, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, anybody in, as part of their daily life or weekly routine could just go float. And as such, it would prevent so many stress-related ailments and diseases that the cost to society would come back tenfold mm. in just people living a better life, a healthier life. And, and to me, the ripple effects of floating are only just beginning to be discovered. Right now, you know, we've been studying the acute effects in patients who suffer from severe stress and anxiety. We're seeing big effects in this group. Now magnify that to the entire world who all has some level of stress and anxiety. And the ripple effects of floating could just be giant. They could be enormous. And so I, I'm very optimistic that we could actually turn in this, this idea that started many years ago at an incarnation of a float conference meeting. Actually, it may have been RISE. It may have been Rise. Do you oh, remember cool. that, Dylan? You were there, yeah, too. You've been f- it, there for all of this. <laughs> but, but the idea started as this, this idea that we we got to bring floating to the masses of people who could greatly benefit from this therapy. And how could we do that in a systematic way, in a scientific way, and get the medical community to really make this accessible to the patients who need it the most? These were the sort of conversations we were having. And here we are, four or five years later, and it's here. We have the 501c3 status. <laughs> we're an official nonprofit organization. I'm devoting every ounce of my energy towards this project. I have all my marbles in this basket because I believe it's actually going to work. It's, it's one of the few times in my scientific career where I've really seen a modality that I could say I fully believe in its effect, huh. the reliability of this effect, the replicability of this effect. And, and so we're really at a cool moment, I feel like, because the world hasn't learned about floating yet, but they're about to, and the Float Research Collective is going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to deep dive into this. There's a lot. There are questions I have for you still uh, that I want to get into, but um, I want to back it up a little bit. Um, I want to bring up Brooke real quick. I kind of consider Brooke to be a a major fulcrum point of the FRC, even beginning, because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but based off some personal conversations we had, uh, going back to 
co- like COVID first hitting, I remember talking and you talking about how Brooke is just, she's up to here with kids all day long. Um, I know you are still working long hours at, at Liber. And I think some of that is the reason you ended up at moving to Hawaii. Is that, is that right? For some- yeah, I mean, it, it's really wild. So I, I give the TEDx talk about floating and how important it is to disconnect from technology just for our nervous system. January of 2020. Hmm. I knew right around then that this pandemic was coming. There's already inclinations I was, I was following. March 2020, kids come home. Homeschool, I'm thinking to myself, oh, shit. You know, I'm at least two, if not three years away from this resolving. There's no way I knew this was an overnight huh. fiasco. This, this was going to be a multi-year dilemma. I'm looking at my wife, my lovely wife, Brooke, who, you know, was trying her, her best to homeschool the kids all by herself. Trial by fire. Never <laughs> had, had homeschooled kids who, you know, were in... First grade and third grade, very formative years. The, you know, the kids are, are sitting there, you know, totally saying, what the hell is happening to this world? I can't go to school anymore. Yeah. Every day we're, we're walking around the neighborhood, the same neighborhood where, you know, we're landlocked in, in Oklahoma. And one day my son, Elliot, turns to me and I, and I, I, say, Hi, I say, son, how are you dealing with all of this? How's it going? You know, you're being homeschooled, all this stuff. He looks at me, he goes, you know, it's not too bad, Dad, but I'm kind of sick and tired of seeing you all the time. (laughs) Fair. So so I said, okay, we need to change the scenery. We need to get the grandparents into the equation. (laughs) And we need to get these kids more active, doing fun things like swimming every day. And it, awesome. it was really, to be honest, you guys, a crossroads moment in life. Because I, mm-hmm. I was in a very good situation at Laureate. They're a fantastic, amazing place to, to work at. But it was really difficult to imagine my family surviving mm-hmm. for the next two years under that circumstance. And so it, it ended up being a, a really tough decision to make. But when I made it, I'm so happy I did because the kids are so happy now as a consequence. Mm. They're seeing their grandparents every day. They're going swimming every day. Oh, man. They're, they're, they're getting to experience a type of lifestyle I could have never imagined growing mm. up. They're very chill. They're very mellow. They're understanding huh. the importance of, of you know, being mindful in life and appreciating the moment and taking in the sunsets. Things that, you know... I think for, for them, it, it, it's something they couldn't have gotten anywhere else. Hmm. And ever since then, I've been happy about this, this transition. You know, I, I still have very good relations with Laureate. I'm collaborating with them on multiple projects. Um, nice. Dr. Saib Khalsa, who's, who's taken over the Float Clinic and Research Center, could not imagine a better person to take that clinic over. He's already awesome. made some groundbreaking discoveries with anorexia nervosa, one of the hardest to treat conditions in psychiatry. And you got to get them on a podcast just to, to learn about that. Because it, to me, these findings are going to be opening up every single 
inpatient unit for anorexia to floating. They should be. If, if you're an inpatient unit, you should be taking these results very seriously because we found a tremendous anxiolytic effect and it improved their body image in a, in a healthy way. So to me, this is an incredible finding for a modality that's so simple and so easy to, to disseminate. And hmm. I think this is something that you're going to see in hospitals, in healthcare offices, all over the country in the coming years. It has to be. Awesome. I love it. I love that. Um, so I, I do just want to make it real clear. It wasn't just that Brooke was overwhelmed with raising kids, but she is also part of the FRC. She's, she is a believer in floating. And she, she is also, she's an officer. She's our secretary. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. No, no. She, she, she's done an incredible amount of work. Social media-wise, all of you know from my TED Talk how much I uh, feel like social media is going to be the death of us all. But um, regardless, I, I call it a necessary evil because um, it's a great way to, to communicate hmm. and reach a lot of people simultaneously. And so all the social media you guys could credit to my wife. Um, she was the one who's been nagging me for ages to even start it. <laughs> and it now has started. So if you guys don't know, uh, we do have like a United... Uh, is it called a handle? Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> social media I, handle. Yeah. I'm, lear- I'm I mean, learning the lingo um, at Float Research. For Dr. Feinstein has the service. most hilarious TikTok videos. You just have to check them out. I'm just kidding. I don't think you have TikTok. <laughs> Brooke wants me to start a TikTok account. I'm being serious. You got it. Oh got, my you should. God. You should. I, I, I can't. I don't know if I'm ready yet. But um, for for Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, it's all at Float Research. We need everybody to to sign up because we're going to be disseminating a ton of messages over the coming weeks. Very important messages that um, I don't think have ever resonated through this community before. And I'm excited to to see where this ripple effect goes. So let's talk about that ripple effect, where it all starts as it's hitting the water. Let's talk about the FRC and what your vision and the board's vision is for immediate goals and long-term goals for the FR, for the Float Research Collective. So, you know, full disclaimer, uh, uh, Dylan and Sandra Calm are part of our board of directors. And the board of directors has a tremendous say in the the FRC. In fact, they run the, the entire nonprofit in terms of the major decisions. And I'm part of that board of directors as well. I'm, I'm hoping um, one day we could uh, recruit Kim into that amongst all of her other board of director <laughs> positions. Um, but wait, Arna Flo wants a, to hire her. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know, Kim, Kim's been a tremendous help on, on the fundraising committee, which has been meeting weekly now and has made a ton of progress. And, and, and so anyways, the, the basic premise of the Float Research Collective is we're, 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 we're on this mission to get worldwide acceptance for floating in the medical community, in the health care community. And we're quite specific in our goals in the sense that we feel like conditions related to pain, stress, and anxiety, that triad of pain, stress, and anxiety, both the symptoms but also the disorders. You know, there's a lot of anxiety disorders like generalized anxiety or social anxiety or things like post-traumatic stress disorder or chronic back pain. 
all of this would fit into that triad. We feel like those elements could all benefit tremendously from floating. And it's not just a feeling. It's an empirical sense based off of the data that's been collected. This is a research collective in the sense that we're trying to make sure we do this using the most sound scientific principles, the most gold standard of trial designs using randomized controlled trials, and in a way that the, the medical community could really embrace this as a legitimate tool. And to me, that's what's so unique about the Float Research Collective is we're, we're a research organization and we're also an advocacy organization. We're trying to advocate for floating amongst the various providers and powers that be in healthcare. Shake that tree, right? Shake that tree and say, listen, the way that you've been trying to deal with these ailments that resonate throughout our society, you know, you take that triad of pain, stress, and anxiety. We're talking about millions and millions of people who fall into that triad, okay? And the way that our healthcare system is trying to alleviate those conditions now is by medicating them away. And we're saying, no, we have a whole new model here. We could relieve pain, stress, and anxiety, but without the use of these highly addictive medications and without the side effects of these highly addictive medications. Mm -hmm. A totally natural way. And we now have data to prove it in the most severe of these clinical conditions. Hmm. That's what's exciting to me. You know, five years ago when I started this, we didn't have the data. We have the data now. <laughs> and so if we have the data, then why the FRC? Well, listen, for, for those of you who know how bureaucratic our healthcare system is, let me, <laughs> let me open your eyes. This is the biggest red tape you'll see in the world. I'm, I'm convinced that every other country might approve floating before America will embrace mm. it. And then America will finally say, oh, maybe we were supposed to reimburse for that. We could have really <laughs> saved ourselves. But, the, you know, we might be the last domino to fall. We're, you know, I'm going to be going to Australia soon in a month. Australia, which has a nationalized healthcare system, might be the first domino to fall. They're already reimbursing it for workman's comp and disability. So cool. And so going back to the and by the way, yeah, Australia, that is that is so impressive. And I, I just get jealous when I think about that, to be honest. Uh, I love that they're so progressive um, and way more float centers than I ever realized are opening up or already exist in Australia. It's, it's a real Mecca. Um, oh, yeah. They're taking off down there. But uh, back to the FRC and the, the goals for the FRC. So there you've been doing float research for many years. And so is Dr. Saib. And that's been building up. Um, so what is specifically the FRC going to do to bring to the table so that uh, there is more acceptance for floating? So we, we basically have three primary aims to achieve our mission. And I think all of them um, are achievable. So the first is we want to uh, create a cloud-based platform that will enable the collection of publishable data from recreational float centers across the world. So that's a a big goal. Right now, I would estimate, you know, we have anywhere between 500 to 1,000 float centers worldwide that are actually open. We definitely lost a couple during the pandemic. Hmm. But anywhere in that range we have in terms of businesses that have people coming in and floating 
recreationally, some people on a regular basis. And I think it would be incredible if even 10 to 20% of those float centers signed up to be part of this cloud-based platform. And, you know, we could collect thousands and thousands of data points every day or week that this cloud-based system is up and running. And to me, this would be the gift that keeps giving for the float industry. And it would also help us answer some very important questions from a scientific standpoint, from a medical standpoint, about how floating is benefiting the average person. And so to me, this is one of the primary aims of the Float Research Collective. The second one is about constructing our own dedicated FRC float clinic. And this would really be focused on doing the sorts of studies you couldn't do using this cloud-based system. So these would be more or less systematic, randomized, controlled trials in Mm -hmm. clinical populations, in patient populations. Mm -hmm. And we would be able to answer questions that even academia, if you will, would be scared to answer. We'll be able to take on special interests that Mm. would be very difficult to do otherwise. And one of those I hope we talk about today is how much big pharma has completely, in many ways, taken over our healthcare system, our model of how we deliver healthcare. And to a a detriment, I would say, in the realm of pain and anxiety. And we could talk about that, but I feel like we could conduct the sort of clinical trials that could really be paradigm shifting and really take on this model of big pharma and medicating by popping pills in order to relieve our distress. I think we could create a new model in society. And, you know, the final aim is we want to launch a pilot grant fund to help facilitate float research at universities and hospitals. I feel like we need a lot more uh, uh, people other than myself conducting research, looking at various clinical conditions, replicating effects that have already been found. And there's ways we could actually facilitate it. In fact, I I was just on the phone today with Andy Larson, who who I'm so excited is is hopefully going to be the treasurer for the Float Research Collective. And Andy, who owns Float Milwaukee, for those who don't know, is um, also an accountant by training and, um, you know, really understands uh, the ins and outs of what floating could do therapeutically because he's the first recreational float center I'm aware of that has an IRB-approved research study with a local hospital. It's one of the the top trauma hospitals, acute trauma hospitals in the whole area. And he's he's collaborating with a local investigator who is sending patients who've been traumatized to float to see if you could prevent the onset of PTSD in a recreational facility. So I I feel like this is really a neat aspect of, you know, how you could actually push float research forward and show that this has a therapeutic value. And we could create these pilot funds where we could facilitate this research all over the country. So those are the three primary aims of the FRC. it will help us get to that ultimate goal of getting the medical community to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, you know, I feel like this is the sort of uh, a level of 
of scientific proof that's going to be necessary in a medical system that is so intractable like ours is. As a, as a float center owner, I am fascinated by the idea of people who float at my float center participating in something like this. What would that look like? Would it be um, they wear something? They just fill out a before and after float survey? How Has that even been, um, you know, has that been figured out yet? Is that still TBD? But I am curious from the float center standpoint, what would that look like? What would we be asking our floaters to be doing? Good question. So I think in the initial incarnation, it would be more or less a tablet-based system. So if you had an iPad or some tablet at your center, that is all you would need. We would collect some information about the type of float tanks that you use, some of the basic parameters of your float center. We would have some ethical onboarding to sort of explain to you the process of how you would have to conduct the research, ethically speaking. And all, by the way, all of this, we would, we would make sure we ran through the IRB. I think this is important because any data we got, I would like to be publishable in a journal, a scientific sure. journal. And in order to do that, you, you need to have the IRB involved. And I essentially think you would use more or less what we call a convenience sample, meaning they've already come in to float. They've sitting in the post-float lounge hanging out, and they would have the opportunity to pick up this iPad or tablet and answer a few questions about their experience. And it wouldn't be incentivized. You wouldn't be giving away free floats or anything. It would just be them volunteering to participate in this um, study so we could learn more about what floating was like for them. And, you know, to me, I think we could answer a lot of very interesting questions just through that means. You know, one of the questions that... um, I think is super important is every float center has membership plans and you have floaters that come religiously every week or every month and they've been doing it for a long time. Well, let's just focus on those floaters for a minute. Just take them aside and say, you know, why? Why are you floating every week or every month? What is it benefiting in your life? What kind of conditions or symptoms are you noticing are improving? And have a, a, a sample of, like, let's just imagine 10,000 floaters around the world who are members and a list of all of those conditions that they're using floating for. Maybe we're going to learn things that we never heard about before or thought about before that floating is helping with. Maybe it will confirm that triad I was talking about earlier of pain, stress, and anxiety and all of these patients and various uh, uh, individuals with these these symptoms or conditions are floating and finding benefit. And so, you know, to me, this is an important study. We could do that within a year's time if we just got this cloud-based system up and running. And it would be super easy, as easy as a tablet. I'm so excited. I can't wait. (laughs) That's so exciting. Yeah, I think it'll be great. And I know the people at my float center who float regularly are my best advocates and they really believe in floating. And it's probably a question that I haven't asked them in a while. And like, why are you still floating? I have people that have been floating two, three, four years. And that's not a question that comes up, but there's a reason they're doing it, right? They feel better and it is helping them with something. So gathering that information, I, I see how valuable that could be if you had thousands of people, you know, giving you those data points that it's awesome and fascinating to hear. Awesome. No, we, we need that. And we need that sort of enthusiasm from many float centers because 
if we had 100% participation, we could have sample sizes, I'm estimating, in the hundreds of thousands. Because when you think about over the course of a year, how many different floaters come into your center? And times that by the number of float centers and each day of the year, we're, we have a lot of floaters coming in around the world. Can I ask about IRB approval? Would that be something that would be done for the study overall? Or would every float center need some kind of um, uh, isolated approval? And then would it matter like what type of float tanks we have? Like what is quote unquote floating um, to this? Like because I have an open float tank, somebody has a float around, enclosed, you know, there are all these different styles. I'm curious how that will all fit in. Or do we just collect the information and then parse through it through it later? So I guess no, there were two I, questions I, there. I'm working with several different IRBs now. I think it, mm. this, this is somewhat of a, a TBD uh, uh, answer. But my own take is this is a convenient sample, and there's a way that we could actually de-identify all of the data, mm-hmm. make sure that we do this in an ethical fashion where they could voluntarily pick up these iPads and fill out the answers. We're not incentivizing it or coercing mm-hmm. the research whatsoever. We're only collecting post-float measures. And I think it could be in a way, done in a way that is um, exempt from the IRB. And that's the, oh, that's the way I'm actually going to approach it. But we have to get it approved still in the sense that they have to stamp it as we understand this is a convenient sample. You're de-identifying all of the data. It's, you're not going to have any, any risks if this data you know, should get out to the world. And one of the advantages of that I should mention is this could be a database that could be mined by multiple people. Mm. It's de-identified. So, mm-hmm. you know, there may be people like Roy Vohr, who I was talking to at the conference, that want to collect safety data on water quality at float centers using this cloud-based infrastructure. And he could analyze all of that data. There may be, you know, people on FTA who, who want to talk about marketing things, and they could analyze the data in, in a way that could help them target the things that will help people the most with floating. You know, I think this is a data set for the community. And the reason I call it a collective, the Float Research Collective, is I really view this as a community resource. Everything about this is, is trying to do things that will help the float community because this is an important therapy that we think could help millions of people. You know, that's the motivation behind this. You know, I know um, there there are three tiers, and one I think you you call the moonshot, which is the uh, floating versus benzos. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, where to begin? So you know, <laughs> one one in eight people in America right now have a benzo prescription. It's a it's one of the most heavily prescribed drugs. It's that is why it's a multi billion dollar industry, and it's been that way since its inception in the sixties. When Valium first came out, it was the little yellow pill. They called it Mother's Little Helper. <laughs> Seriously, they had advertisements. You had kids pulling at the mother's skirt, the husband yelling at the mother in the mother's ear, and the, and the advertisement was Mother's Little Helper. Pop a Valium and you'll feel better. Wow. Dark, and, man, that's, that's you know, by, by the late 70s, they, there was about 2 billion pills being sold a year in America, which, you know, only has a few hundred million people. So what 
ended up happening, they didn't realize this in the 60s or the 70s or even the 80s, but the 90s, 2000s come around, Xanax comes out, an even more powerful version of volume. And then suddenly people started realizing, wait a second, I can't stop taking these drugs. Mm. And they try to come off of it and they feel ill, but not just ill, they feel deathly, like the worst type of withdrawal symptoms you could imagine, worse than opioid withdrawal. You could die from benzo withdrawal. You could go into seizures. It's, it's a brutal withdrawal, and it's a, it's a very physiological withdrawal that could take months to overcome. And so when all these doctors were handing out prescriptions to Mother's Little Helper, which, by the way, Arthur Sackler of the Sackler family coined, the same Sackler family that came up with Oxycontin and got pretty much half the country addicted to um, anyways, it's, to me, there's, there's an evil part of this history because they got a society hooked on a very addictive drug that you could, not, you could not come off of. It's not a safe drug that doesn't have physiological withdrawal, which, by the way, there's few that, that have that profile. And, you know, to me, all the patients I worked with throughout the years when I did the float studies at Laureate, would often come out of the float and say, what did you just do in there? And I would, I would say, what do you mean? And they would go, I feel like I took a benzo, huh. but my mind is so clear. You know, when I take these benzos, I feel zombified. Huh. I feel stupefied. I feel sedated. But... I come out of the float, I don't have the anxiety, but I am clear-headed, I'm clear-minded. And so, you know, I'm, I'm basing this partially off of the patients who are the most experienced with their suffering, right. telling me that floating is having an anti-anxiety effect as good as the benzos, but with a much better side effect profile. Right. That's incredible. <laughs> so, to me, this was an interesting anecdote. And... This initial effect that we published on in 2018 has now been replicated five different times in five new randomized controlled trials in severely ill patients with high levels of anxiety. So to me, the idea of taking on benzodiazepine is not so far-fetched anymore. We have data that even in patients with anorexia nervosa, which, by the way, are well known to be resistant to benzos. Most people don't know that, but the nervosa part of anorexia, the anxiety, does not tend to get better with benzos. We were able to induce a highly reliable anxiolytic effect, even in the most severe inpatient sample. And so I feel like not only can we beat a benzo like Xanax in terms of the short-term anxiety effect, but over the course of two days, we now have multiple data sets showing that you still feel the anti-anxiety effects of floating two days later. If you take a Xanax, four hours or maybe eight hours later, the anxiety is re-emerging. You have a rebound effect. We're seeing it 48 hours later. I think we will beat the benzos over the course of two days. So I'm, I want to do this study, Dylan, not... Because I think floating is as good as a benzo. I want to do this study because I think we could actually beat the benzo. 
in a much safer way and in a reliable way. We have data across six floats, across eight floats, that every single time the patient floats, the anxiety goes down. Highly reliable effect. A Cohen's D above a 1.2 in most cases, which is a, a very large effect size. Okay. <sighs> you got me pumped. I'm ready to, yeah, I'm ready to <laughs> run through a wall for floating right now. This is awesome. Um, I, I, uh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing here, but it seems like a good segue to talk about fundraising after that. Uh, so, um, we have a podcast for float center owners. Like that is, I mean, we have some managers listening, but I mean, you are talking specifically to the people who, uh, I guess, run the float industry. Is that the right way to put it? Um, the, the people who, who host floats. So, um, the people who own the centers, um, let's talk about teams. Let's talk about signups and, um, yeah, let, let, let's break down the fundraising process. So to me, the only way this will succeed is as a team. All of us understand the power of floating, and we need to shake the feathers of this giant beast, which we call the modern medical system. And in order to do so, we, we need to fundraise a lot of money. You know, the clinical trials I'm talking about in terms of floating, taking on a benzodiazepine in a head-to-head manner, not just at the FRC float clinic that we're going to build, but also at other sites and locations to show that this is an effect that's replicable no matter where you do it. And to get this into the best possible highest impact journal, I estimate it's going to cost about $10 million. Hmm. Now, for some, they may say, oh, my God, that's a lot of money, and it (laughs) is a lot of money. But actually, when you look at the traditional study that Big Pharma runs, like Xanax, in order to get approved, a phase three clinical trial will typically cost in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, this is an order of magnitude less, but I feel like we could do a very convincing study with that amount of money. And in hundreds of patients, honestly. Um, to To me, this is... This is a study that we have to do. It will be the first study, by the way, that has ever been done against a benzo using a non-pharmacological intervention. Oh, interesting. So, for example, there's never been a meditation versus benzo study. There's never been an acupuncture versus benzo study. There's never been a yoga versus benzo study. There's never even been a psychotherapy versus benzo study. We would be the first behavioral intervention to say we could reduce anxiety in as reliable and effective way as a benzo. And we will be the first and we will win this. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> to, to, to me, all the tea leaves are showing that we could win this thing. Mm. And for $10 million, I think this is actually a drop in the bucket compared to the millions of dollars we could, of savings that we will help people with who suffer from clinical anxiety, who suffer from horrible conditions like, say, agoraphobia, where you can't even leave your house. We will get those people back out into the world. We will help people come out of their shell with social anxiety. We'll help people with PTSD overcome their trauma. There's so many things floating will do once this gets approved as a medical intervention. But right now, we got to show that we could beat the gold standard for reducing short-term anxiety. And this is it. And so right now we're going to do a team-based fundraising strategy. We want to get this message 
as broadly out to society as possible. And, you know, people like you, Dylan, and Kim, and all the people on the fundraising committee, I feel like we, we should mention everybody, but we, we have Mandy Rowe on that committee. We have um, uh, Beth Jones helping out as well. Andy Shayer is, is on the committee. Um, Brad Dock is, is on the committee as well. And Jonathan Rugg, who is, is, is doing so much to inspire everybody. This is a committee that is just a volunteer-based committee but believes in this mission. We're meeting every week. We're trying to get this message out as broadly as possible. And in order to do that, we need everyone's help. That's the idea of this team-based fundraising campaign. It's not even so much, you guys, to, to raise the $10 million. I don't think it's even fair to ask the float community to raise $10 million. We're a community that's so new. We're so young. You know, to me, what I want is as a community to spread our wings and just touch all those people in our community who have tried floating and spread this message of what we're trying to do and see how they respond. This is really just about an outreach effort more than even fundraising. And I think it's important that people recognize that. We're, we're in a tough time right now financially. I have no doubt that the next year is just going to be very volatile, no matter how we want to slice this. And I really don't want any of you to feel obligated to donate your own money to the collective right now. I, I completely get it. What we're asking for is your outreach. And that's it. We really want you to reach your network, show them that you're trying to raise money for this cause, and continuing to sort of poke them with this new information about what floating could benefit. And, and we're going to be providing every single team with their own sort of social media packet that will, will give them all the materials they need to, to spread this message. We're going to be making it as easy as possible for the teams and all we're asking is just sign up. Sign up to be a team. We'll, we'll, we'll help you sort of create this whole fundraising campaign, make it as easy as possible for you to do it. And the more people we could reach simultaneously, which is really the goal here, starting September 26th when th this begins, everybody's going to be just blasting this message out in synchrony, like a fireworks show. And the more people that do this, the algorithm is going to spread it to even more people. And, and we really need the concerted and united effort of the whole float community if this is going to be a success. Yeah, I, I feel like I usually just, uh, just want to ask questions, you know, but I, I got to say, um, so first I just want to say, Justin's idea of not asking float centers directly for donations was pretty i'll go ahead and say genius i thought it was a very good call um to use float center as float centers as mouthpieces to spread the word out instead of float centers as direct fundraisers um first of all i just i think that was the right call and i think that was just such a an astute idea i mean i know you talk with a lot of float center owners you know where we're at it's not uh we're not making money hand over fist, right? And so, and and in this economy, you know, it's just um, people are trying to stay open. And um, I mean, aside from Drew, who is making money hand over fist, uh, so some float centers are doing better than others. But uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, I think that was very sensitive, and I and I appreciate that a lot. 
The other part I just want to say is that um, Justin is talking about uh, like the welcome pack and the information, the social media information that's going to go out for float centers to share and all of that. Working behind the scenes with a group of people, everybody that he's just mentioned, it has been so impressive. I This is not, um, I don't know, this is an amateur hour. I'm really impressed by the quality of product that's being made, um, whether it, it's just the, the clear branding, the copy that's, that's being written, um, the fact that it will there will be a welcome pack sent out to everybody, um, and then the continual information that's going to be sent out so far is just... I am impressed by it personally, um, and and I know I, I'm I'm not fully objective here, but I would also not be touting it this much if I weren't so confident about it and and um, impressed by it. So, um, again, props to the people that are working on this. Um, they are remarkable, and they're making something that's really valuable. And you know, one thing that we were discussing in our last meeting, and I apologize for not citing the person who who brought this up, um, but uh, it it is not. This is not a social media campaign to continually ask your customers for a donation. This is a, a another source of content for you to put out to your clientele that will occasionally bring up that there is, you know, that you can donate and, and there will always be referencing the Float Research Collective and, and, you know, hashtags, that kind of thing. But this will be an asset to your social media uh, content that you're putting out there, which um, – I think most of us want more social media content. They want uh, more material to be able to put out there. So um, I am very pleased by what's going to be going out there. And, and if I may, just a little bit longer here, um, as far as like a little call to action here, if you're listening to this and if you're inspired by what Justin is talking about, um, I would say go right now. In fact, Justin, where should they go if they so do want to create a the, team? The, the, the simplest way is... Everything is at clinicalfloat.org. That tells you all about what the Float Research Collective is. It gives you a repository of all the peer-reviewed publications on floating. And there's a donate tab. Click on the donate tab, and that takes you to our fundraiser page. For those who want to go directly to it, it's clinicalfloat.fundraise, without the D, dot O-R-G. We could, we could maybe put it in the show notes. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a, a very simple way to start your own fundraiser. Just you know, click the button that says help us fundraise and answer a few questions. You get to have your own personalized page. It could have your logo on it, your team or business name. You have your own URL address. And you could share this broadly with your, your own network and it will convey the whole message of what we're trying to do the mission next week in fact my presentation from this year's float conference is going to be released it will explain the whole fundraising campaign the whole big project taking on big pharma and uh, benzos and also opioids by the way and you know to me this is all going to be integrated into that one page that will be your own personal team page and you know, it's a pretty neat process that only takes about five minutes, you guys. Honestly. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Jonathan Rug is, is going to put out this weekend a, a little YouTube explainer video just to show you how easy it is. And it takes two seconds to do. It will open up all these cool features for you to, to share with your social network. But more importantly, it will make you part of this bigger mission to get floating accepted as a medical treatment that could help millions and millions of people. And it's going to be a long mission. This is not the sort of fundraiser that 
it's snap your fingers and it's over. Yay! <laughs> you know, the, what was the old Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, uh, telethon? We're not doing that. Um, it's going to be a long campaign. It starts on September 26th, and we're going to keep fighting until we could reach our goals. And um, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see all these messages that we're about to send out um, sort of ripple through the, the whole community. You know, Justin was talking about the fireworks earlier. We don't want this to be uh, your neighbor lighting a bottle rocket off in his backyard and then a few minutes later lighting off a sparkler. We want everybody synced up and launching at the same time. So if you're listening to this, and again, if this is motivating you, if this feels like something you want to be a part of, I implore you to sign up now um, as opposed to later on so that we can launch with as much momentum as possible and really make waves. Um, a, a few little things I want to bring up, um, the tutorial video, the explainer video for how to sign up will be coming up soon. It is very simple, but I feel like there are a couple questions that come up. One is I think you do sign up as an individual, which is I think confusing because you're a business owner. So you're expecting something different. Do click through to that. And then it will still ask for your business name and logo, stuff like that. Not that you even have to enter that as soon as you sign up. I'll also say, um, there's like a, um, why are you signing up or why do you want to fundraise for this? Um, you can write straight out of your heart and, and, um, write your own copy there by all means. At the same time, if you just want to put a placeholder there, we'll also be sending out information, um, things to put in there that we think are inspirational or, or the reasons that we believe in the float collect, uh, excuse me, float research collective. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think those are the, the only bits. Again, it's very easy to sign up. And we are going to have a Q&A um, coming up, mm -hmm. actually several Q&As, but uh, Dylan, maybe you could remind everybody of, of the date and time. Yeah, so September 21st at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we're doing a Zoom chat. Uh, I'll be hosting that, but really I'll just be ha answering or uh, handing questions off to you. Um, so that can be questions from how the heck do I sign up for this? Uh, I ran into this problem to more in-depth questions about float research that people have or just any questions about the float research collective in general. Um, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, we, we can't get to everything in this podcast episode. And um, even based off this episode, I think people will have uh, questions based off of that. So join up. Um, it's kind of fun because it's an earlier in the day one, which I think um, usually roundtables are a little bit more in the evening. So if you're not able to make those usually, and I'm talking very America centric right now, I know this might be a total blessing for other people in, in different countries, but um, this this can be an opportunity for certain people to um, make one of these that, that generally isn't able to. Um, but then... Um, it's not considered a, a live QA, or is it? Uh, but there is also an FTA-organized uh, launch for the Float Research Collective. And um, I think you can find it online at the FTA website, but also um, all this information is always in the Float Collective and on Facebook. I know we were talking about social media as the end of the world, but FTA does have a Facebook page. You can find the information there. Theirs is on the 29th, and it's at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So if you are a little bit more evening-centric, um, uh, join then, and uh, that's also on Zoom, and, and the meeting code and, and passcode are, uh, again, on the, uh, wherever you want to find it, whether it's the website or, or the um, uh, Facebook page. Cool, I'm looking forward. So that's, that's this Wednesday coming up. 
the first, yeah, first one's this Wednesday. I'm stoked. Uh, again, shout out to Jonathan. He'll be uh, doing the mix and making sure that that can actually live stream into, I believe, the collective, if not just Art of the Floats page. Um, but I think he has the technical know-how to to actually pump it into the Float Collective, which it's been a long time since we've done that. So I'm I'm really excited about that. Those those live ones are are always fun. Nice, Kim. I, you're behind the scenes too. What have we missed anything that you're you're like? Oh man, they gotta talk about this. No, I think we covered it all. I mean, <clears throat> a big okay. piece will be the social media part, you know, and I'm super excited to see folks have uh, some of that content that they can use on a regular basis. And um, I think, oh, did we cover it? I don't think we covered it. There, I, there have been so many conversations happening lately that they're sure. all kind of merging together in my brain. But um, we talked earlier about, you know, I changed my fundraising goal. And that's oh, yeah. <laughs> something huge that as you're setting up that you don't have to start small. You're not like on the hook for that money. And so you can change it. Right. And if you start getting really close to hitting your goal, ramp it up a little bit. So great I'm point. curious yeah. to Drew, now that you know what you know, <laughs> what's your goal? <laughs> One million dollars. <laughs> yeah, Drew. Just a million. <laughs> <laughs> not very much in today's... Well, if I'm, not, if I'm not on the hook, why not aim big, right? Go shoot for the stars, see what happens. Yeah, that's right. And great, we'll just right. go for that, you know? You really uh, just, but you I, never know. Yeah. Never know. You never know. You never know. I'm excited to, um, I'm excited to do that. But something that I do think, I just want to throw this out there, that I do think it would be helpful. Imagine all of the cool little, you know, 15, 20 second fun facts or behind the scenes information uh, a float research collective TikTok page would would have. I could just <laughs> people. I know TikTok sounds like a little kids thing, but there's a lot of like business people on there and people using it to share information in other ways. And I do think that you have a personality that would be great to share. And I just want to give you some kudos that. I'm with you. I'm not of the TikTok age that it's like, hey, let me put a TikTok video. But if you had someone to help you and kind of guide you with some of these fun facts, I think I think the people who suffer from anxiety are scrolling in social oh, media like wild. And if you started being the anxiety facts guy and how to how floating could help that and the research that proved that these kids are out there in the age bracket of high school to like 25, 26 I get a lot of those that come into my float center and I really do think social media is doing a number on them, but that's how they are reached. And that's how stuff goes viral and gets in front of a million people because some popular kid who suffers from anxiety retweets it, right? Or re whatever on TikTok. I don't know how that works, but (laughs) I just wanted to kind of give my props to you that I think you would be awesome to do that. And I, I understand the barriers to doing that. But if you got someone to help you and kind of guide you with that, I think my, my, that my wife it would be is, phenomenal. Is, she, Brooke is really pushing for this. I mean, she she loves TikTok. I, I think she's um, she's addicted to it, to be honest, like half the other part of the world. <laughs> Probably. But, but, but she yeah. thinks that it's a necessary thing. And sure. you're right. We're going to figure out some way to... To convince me, it may take a few bourbons, Kim, at the Louisville <laughs> conference to finally get me to do TikTok, but we'll see. Consider it. No, I done. think you're good. <laughs> 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 I think you're in good hands with Brooke. I think that's exactly who we should be. We should go right over Justin and go right to Brooke with, with TikTok. 
Um, uh, Drew, what are your what are your thoughts after hearing about this? I mean, you're you're kind of coming in blind a little bit. Um, I'm just yeah, it's very Wait. exciting. It's it's all. I mean, all of the things that you're saying tonight, as far as um, what you're researching, are reasons that most people who own float centers currently got into the business. Like it was helping me right. feel better. It was helping other people feel better. And in a time, you know. Um, I'm coming up on five years. Kim's coming up on five years. Dylan's third, what, 13? Something. You know, (laughs) even five years ago, everyone who I knew told me it was a dumb idea to open a float center. They had never heard of it, didn't know what I was talking about, didn't understand it, didn't think anyone would pay money to do it. And then as people came into my float center, these, and I'm talking people, my friends, family, people I care about, um, they did it and then said, oh, I see. I feel really good right now. I don't know why I feel like this, but I, I get what's going on here. You have something. And that anecdotally, when people float, they're like, yes, yeah, something's here. But like you're saying, how do we do that? And I think that we're in a time where I hear a lot from people who come into float who find us because they don't want to be on those pharmaceutical drugs. And they know that they shouldn't be on those pharmaceutical drugs. So maybe that is part of our journey as float center owners is to spread this to the world and where you're going to help be that conduit for us to, you know, we're not the smartest people owning the float center. So we need a little help with how to do that, the information that we would share. And I think it's a great idea to, um, you know, be the voices to spread that through our social media and talking to the people and, and seeing, you know, who will help out the, the industry and the people who have been floating for two, three, four years, I believe in my float center will donate something because they care about floating, you know? So we, we have that bond and, um, hearing all of this tonight was very exciting and I kid about the million dollars, but I, yeah, I'll start at a $10,000, you know, fundraising goal and go from there and see if we can keep going up and up, you know, but I'm very excited about it. I, I just got, I'll be honest, doctor, I'm, I'm kind of on my way out of the industry, but I just got like really excited about it again and I'm feeling (laughs) really good about it. And I, I'm happy with, um, having someone like you leading this charge because I don't know why, but you're really into it. And I, I assume it's because you have floated and seen the benefits of floating. So maybe that's a quick answer. I don't know. But um, to have you on board and being an advocate for this industry, I think is awesome. And I'm really excited by it. And I'm looking forward to the future of what this can bring to, to the world. Oh, that's awesome. Drew. We can't lose you, first of all. So you got to stay, stay with <laughs> us. Um, you know, t- t- to me, the reason I got into this beyond the, the experiential effects of floating, even for myself, is the data. Mm-hmm. You know, as somebody who, who spent his life training to get a PhD in clinical neuropsychology and really understanding the root of different types of mental illness like anxiety and how it works in the brain, I've yet to see a treatment that's so simple, that's so natural, yet so effective in terms of the reduction of anxiety throughout the nervous system, both the brain and the body. It's really a a whole body treatment. It's incredibly effective. It works in a diverse population because it's, it's basically reducing all forms of stimulation on the nervous system. It's so simple. In the modern age, it's so necessary. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, to me, Drew, we're part of a, a secret right now. Most people have never heard of this. But guess what? That is about to change, you guys. September 26th, stay tuned. The Float Research Collective is getting ready to launch. Thank you for joining us tonight. Dr. Feinstein, truly appreciate it. Yeah, it's okay. We can clap. Yeah. All right. I was here clapping. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining moment. us. It really is. Huge. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's very exciting. And, and uh, thanks for everything that you're doing to, to make this happen. Yeah, a, a true trailblazer, a visionary. And um, I, I, I can't imagine being uh, more excited for, for who would be leading this. You know, your passion and um, your heart are just uh, incredible. So thank you. Um, whew, yes, to wrap up. <laughs> Um, again, join us on Wednesday the 21st if you're listening to this episode soon. Um, and also join up on the 26th, I want to say, for the FTA. Um, 29th. Oh, excuse me, 29th. Sorry, Sorry. thank you. Oh, uh, yes, thank you. Um, and, and be part of the launch and uh, sign up right now. Go, go to clinicalfloat.com and uh, click on that fundraise, fundraise button and uh, sign up. It really asks nothing of you. Um, I think an email address is the only thing you would be giving away. Um, and what that means is that you'll be getting a bunch of content to, to um, send out to your clientele. So um, my goodness, yes. <sighs> In closing, uh, thank you, Kim, Drew, and Gloria. It's always such a pleasure. And again, I'll just say, Drew, it's great to have you back. Um, although big announcement there at the end. Oh my goodness. What, what is this? I need to ask some, I've got some follow-up questions. We'll save it for another episode. <laughs> I guess so. Um, it's too bad. We don't talk outside of this podcast at all. Um, we always save it for on air. So, uh, let's see here. Um, thanks to producer Olga. Thank you so much for making this show happen. And thank you so much to our sponsor float helm. Mm, excuse me, Helmbot. I'm still messing that one up. Thank you so much for Helmbot for making this show happen week after week. We truly appreciate your sponsorship and making these beautiful episodes happen um, means so much to me to uh, to be supported in, in doing this. So thank you. And if I may, Dylan, I'm sorry, yes, but course. I have been a giant pain in their butt over the last week. I'm talking like <laughs> 20 or 30 messages back and forth of me not understanding something. And they have been phenomenal. Cool. They have put up with me and <laughs> continued to explain things when I don't understand it. So uh, double kudos to the fine folks, Danielle, Joel, uh, Lauren, all, all these awesome people over at yes. Helmbot. Totally agree. I mean, that, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest things to, to talk about. I mean, you got to lay out the framework of the fact that it's a, it's a great software to use for a float center and that it, how much you can do. But the customer service is bananas compared to any other, I mean, business that I interact with. It, it's ridiculous. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, gosh, uh, shop.artofthefloat.com. If you're interested in some real sweet swag, uh, Dr. Flux has some swag on there. If you want to check out some float related, um, float swag, uh, it's actually what our team members at the float shop wear now is one of his sweet, uh, Caduceus float logos. And then it says float facilitator across the, the chest. Um, uh, but also, um, older float images and, uh, videos that have been already released on Patreon. Speaking of which, if you're interested in receiving monthly batches of social media content, uh, in addition to what you can get from the Float Research Collective, uh, we have uh, beautiful imagery and videos, scientific blog posts, and uh, athletic image. I don't know, just a bunch of cool stuff. You should check it out. Uh, so go to patreon.com forward slash art of the float if you're interested. And uh, yeah, I think that is it. 
Um, as always, sign up for the sign up for the fundraiser as soon as possible so you can be part of that launch. That's the most important thing to me right now. I just want to see it make big waves right out of the gate. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.